you may have realized that being healthy feels different than it did in the past now that you're over 50. If you want to maximize your health potential but don't have time to read through overwhelming pages of Google links, this is the show for you. Welcome to Healthy Tips After 50. We love doing the research, finding solutions, talking to health experts, and learning what works and what doesn't. Now, your host. She spent the last 25 years dedicated to feeling her best and is here to share her best findings with you, Susan Rosen. Hello, everyone. This is your host, Susan Rosen, and I am back today with another food tip having to do with coffee and caffeine and whether we should or should not be coffee drinkers. First off, let's settle that this information is going to be of more interest to those of us who like coffee and are not willing to give it up. There have been a few very interesting studies looking at the more general health benefits of drinking coffee and also the benefits of caffeine in particular with coffee, in coffee. First, we're going to look at coffee and heart health. So is it good or bad for your heart to be drinking coffee? There have been quite a few studies about this subject and overall the evidence seems to show that coffee, both caffeinated and decaffeinated, is good for your heart health. In 2013, a review of 36 long-term studies, the average was 10 years of follow-up, found that three and a half cups of coffee a day when compared to no coffee had a 15% decrease risk of cardiovascular disease. So that means that whatever risk you had was went down by 15% if you had three and a half cups of coffee a day. Research has also found that women who drink up to five eight ounce cups of coffee a day don't need to be concerned about an increased risk of heart disease or stroke from that. There have been some results showing that the coffee may actually reduce the risk of type 2 diabetes for women as well. And type 2 diabetes is considered to be a, a risk factor for heart disease and stroke. So if you can bring that down, you bring that risk down again. In a related study in 2016, followed almost 30,000 postmenopausal women, that's most of us here, including me, with an average age of 62 for over three years, they followed them and found that their coffee intake was not associated with an increased risk of developing high blood pressure. And we all know that high blood pressure is related to cardiovascular health. So these women drank caffeinated and or decaffeinated coffee during the study, so it applies to both. A review of six studies in Sweden, Denmark, and the US among older men and women, that's us, showed that caffeine intake from coffee, tea, cola, and or cocoa chocolate combined is, quote, unlikely to cause or contribute to atrial fibrillation, which again has to do with heart health and that it actually might modestly reduce the risk of it. There is an area where one kind of coffee may be bad for your heart and health, and that has to do with increasing cholesterol and triglycerides. 
which is associated with unfiltered coffee, like in a French press, Turkish coffee, espresso, or boiled coffee, or made using a metal instead of a paper filter. Those have been found to be related to increased cholesterol and triglyceride levels. So the two ingredients in coffee are cafestol and kawiol. I'm sure I'm mispronouncing those, but the second one is spelled K-A-H-W-E-O-L. So I don't know how you're supposed to pronounce it. And they found that those have been seen to raise triglycerides, LDL, and total cholesterol levels, which kind of makes sense because if the LDL goes up, then your total does. I guess the HDL could go down, but anyways, they found that the whole total went up as well. This is especially true when drinking more than six cups of unfiltered coffee a day, which is a, a lot, except that in this instance, a cup for them was equal to 4.2 fluid ounces instead of the usual eight ounces per cup. So really you're looking at more than say three cups of, and we're using an eight ounce cup. So overall, it's quite a bit less than you would think as far as the amount of coffee, if you just looked at the six cup limit and said, oh, six cups, no problem. I don't drink six of my mugs. Um, although I don't know about you, my mug is over 16 ounces. So that would be two eight ounce cups. Overall on this subject, I would suggest that everyone limit their consumption of coffee to the filtered kind and only drink French press or other unfiltered coffees on a more limited basis, especially if you already have cholesterol and or triglyceride issues. There are more good things about coffee that I'm going to talk about here. And the first is that research has showed that drinking coffee doesn't seem to increase the risk for cancer. And this research in 2016 led the World Health Organization's International Agency for Research on Cancer, that's a mouthful, to reverse their 1991 classification of coffee as a possible carcinogen, increasing the risk of bladder cancer. So the new determination from this new study said that there was no conclusive evidence that coffee intake was associated with any increased risk of cancer. And that was their exact wording. So there is one area where the WHO still believes that coffee may increase the risk of esophageal cancer. And a lot of people seem to agree on this one. And that is due to drinking very hot coffee, hot green tea, or other hot beverages. So in that case, it's probably a good idea to let your hot beverages cool a bit before you drink them. And that makes perfect sense, really, if you think about how your throat feels when you're drinking something that's really too hot for you. I don't like it. In the area of cancer prevention, there was a very large observational study, almost 1 million people aged 28 to 94, and they were followed from 1982 through 2012. So we're looking at here like 30 years. And they found among non-smokers, that's a big caveat, an association between coffee intake and a reduced risk of some cancers. They've actually found that increasing coffee drinking by two cups 
per day, again, I have to say they didn't define how big a cup was, was correlated in non-smokers to a 3% lower risk of colorectal cancer, an 8% lower risk of liver cancer, a 9% lower risk of head and neck cancer, and a 3% lower risk of female breast cancer. They did, again, like we just talked about earlier, find a 7% higher risk of esophageal cancer. So there was no association with the risk of pancreatic, lung, bladder, gallbladder, prostate, brain, ovarian, cervix, endometrial, or any other cancers in non-smokers. So that's a big caveat as well. So they didn't find anything good or bad, which to me is a good thing. In the area of cancer progression research, they've found an association between coffee drinking and a better prognosis in people with advanced colorectal cancer. And this same study followed, the colorectal cancer study, followed 1,171 people who had advanced or metastatic colorectal cancer and had received chemotherapy. And after following them for 5.4 years, and they compared the people who had drunk two to three cups of coffee per day versus those who had not drunk any coffee. And the coffee drinkers had an 18% lower rate of death and a 19% lower rate of cancer progression than the non-coffee drinkers. And people who drank four or more cups per day had an even greater benefit. And in this area, they found that both decaf and regular coffee were linked to improved survival, but only the decaf coffee was associated with the significantly reduced progression rate. And the authors of the study also noted that the people who drank coffee during the study also probably drank coffee prior to the cancer diagnosis. And it's unclear if the coffee acts directly on the cancer or if coffee drinking causes people to develop less aggressive tumors. So that's a big question. It's an interesting one. And I don't know whether someone is already doing a study around that, but that would be a good topic. Two more interesting areas relative to coffee and health issues. There have been a number of studies looking at the association between coffee and gallstones. In 2015, an analysis was published of previous studies that indicated a 17% lower risk of gallstone disease for the highest coffee drinking versus the lowest. One of the studies looked at was a large 10-year U.S. observational study of middle-aged and older men, which was published in 1999. And that study showed a decreased risk of gallstone disease with coffee drinking, but not for those who drank decaffeinated coffee. So they found that decrease in people who drank caffeinated coffee. The most recent study on this subject was published in 2019, which is recent, and it found a 23% lower risk for people drinking more than six cups per day versus zero, or better known as none. And as I mentioned earlier, coffee drinking has been associated with a lower risk of gallbladder cancer and gallstones are an important risk factor for developing gallbladder cancer. So that 
kind of goes together. One last thing about coffee and gallstones is that coffee can sometimes aggravate symptoms of existing gallstone disease. So there's, you know, good and bad, I guess. One more area to look at about coffee drinking, and that's its association with cognitive functioning. Coffee has many compounds in it, like polyphenols, caffeine, deterpenes, melanoid, I can't say that, melan melanoidins and trigonelline, which can stimulate brain activity. And there was a 2020 study looking at the association of coffee drinking and total caffeine intake, quote, with the risk of poor cognitive functioning in a population of elderly, overweight, obese adults with metabolic syndrome, unquote. So there were three cognitive tests that were used to measure cognitive functioning in overall coffee drinkers, decaffeinated coffee drinkers, and the non-coffee drinkers. So the conclusion of the study was that, quote, coffee consumption and total dietary caffeine intake were associated with better cognitive functioning as measured by various neuropsychological tests in a Mediterranean cohort of elderly individuals with metabolic syndrome. So still talking about coffee though, um, after that, which I think is a good thing for all of us to remember that it has been shown, especially the caffeine and the coffee together, that it, that can improve and or maintain our cognitive abilities. Still talking about coffee. Let's change the conversation to talk about what you add to your coffee and how that might affect your health. Drinking black coffee, as I've noted so far in today's show, is very good for your health and your brain, as long as it's not scorching hot. But all of that will be lost if you drink your coffee with lots of cream, syrups, espresso, as espresso, or you add sugar. Those items can raise your weight, cholesterol, triglycerides, blood pressure, risk of heart disease, and lots of other health issues, particularly as you get older. So looking at this whole thing, the big takeaway from today's show is that black coffee, hot, but not scorching hot, or cold, can improve your health in many areas and in many ways. It can improve your odds of survival from multiple cancers, improve your cognition, decrease your risk of gallstones and gallbladder cancer, and improve your heart and cardiovascular health. Plus, it tastes awfully good for those of us who like it. Personally, I like it best when it's caffeinated and black. So if you ever see me in person, I'm not going to hold my breath at this point about that, but you never know. You can buy me a black regular coffee, hold the sugar, hold the cream, and certainly don't put syrups in. So that's it for today's show. Let me know how you drink your coffee in the comments. In the meantime, I want to say that I am not a doctor and this is not to be construed as medical advice. If you are in need of medical help, please call your doctor or go to an emergency room now. So with that, I'll, I will finish by saying that I am also expanding my coaching practice, supporting men and women professionals who are feeling overwhelmed and lost on the treadmill of their own lives. <clears throat> and I can help you or them find more time for yourself and learn how to start prioritizing yourself in your own life. If you want to learn more about this, please contact me at susan at susanrosen.com. That's Rosen with an I. 
or leave me a comment on my website. And in the meantime, I will look forward to seeing all of you next week when I will be posting a wonderful interview with someone who is very into health and wellness and staying in shape. So I will be talking to all of you next week. This has been Healthy Tips After 50 with Susan Rosen. To stay on the cutting edge of the most effective health strategies, subscribe to this podcast and let us know what you thought of the show with a comment or like on iTunes. Visit healthytipsafter50.com for this episode's show notes, more resources, and free offers.